and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza. This is where we talk about the movies that perhaps need a little more love in the world. My movie today, this is going to be a special treat for me because I will say that out of the first eight episodes of Staff Picks, this is my personal favorite movie we've talked about. I have so been looking forward to this. We're going to be talking about the Sam Raimi Western from 1995 called The Quick and the Dead. And before we get too far into it, let me introduce my co-host here. Uh, this is a, a fan of the show, a fan of movies in general, and as uh, in particular this movie I mentioned a while back on my Facebook page that I was going to do a podcast about The Quick and the Dead. And immediately this guy piped up. This is one of his favorite movies. He was so excited to talk about it. So I'd like to introduce you to my new friend, Scott McCullough. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome to the show, Scott. And thank you. Thank you for being another fan of The Quick and the Dead. I'm so excited there's another one of you out there. Well, I'm amazed, like, when you first said kind of underappreciated or not as well-known films, it's it's got to be the, one of the <laughs> least known movies that has Sharon Stone, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Gene Hackman in it. The cast in this movie is insane, and we're going to get into this, but it's like there is no way this movie should have been a flop. It's astounding how much talent was assembled for this movie and how little reception it got. It's It's crazy. Yeah, not only, like, just the cast, but some of, like, the behind-the-scenes people who did the music, the director, Sam Raimi, it's it's unbelievable. Let's just dive right into this, because, again, I've been, I have been looking forward to this movie all week, and it's there's just a couple things that I love about this movie above all, all else. But the one thing that I just have to get off the top of my – I mentioned it right off the top of my head here is this is one of the rare movies that can actually get me to tear up. Like, it actually makes me emotional at the end, and I and I, I will, I'm just going to say this right at the top of the podcast. I was watching The Quick and the Dead. I was preparing for this podcast in the Dallas airport last week. I had, like, a four-hour layover, and I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm, like, tearing up at the end of this movie because the whole Sharon Stone thing with her dad is so touching. And, like, people yep. are walking by looking at me crying in the airport, and I'm like, they're like, oh, his, his girlfriend must have dumped him or something, or he missed his plane, or he got fired. And I'm like, no, I'm just sitting here watching The Quick and the Dead. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that'd be kind of awkward in an airport to see that, but uh, it's worth. I mean, yeah, it gets it's emotional with Sharon Stone's character and what she goes through with her dad, and but uh, yeah, we'll get into it. Okay, now to lead people up to this, we're going to give a little history of the Quick and the Dead. This is again, it's a western from 1995, starring Sharon Stone, which right off the bat you can probably figure out why it flopped because on paper that does not sound like an appealing movie. Which, Scott, would you? Go see on paper, sight unseen, a western starring Sharon Stone. <laughs> no, not <laughs> maybe if you if you put the Gene Hackman first, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, a western starring Gene Hackman, no one's ever seen one of those. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a different different take. And again, that's the, one of the big things about this movie is that Sharon Stone had just come off Basic Instinct. I think she did uh, Sliver, Silver. I always get the name of that movie wrong. Yeah, I think Sliver. Yeah. yeah. So she was like the hottest thing in Hollywood, this big female star, huge draw, and she basically got to pick any script and produce it, executive produce it, star in it. She was a big deal, and she picked this, was a script from a guy named Simon Moore. It's about a female gunfighter, comes to the Old West, and it's a really cool script, but the fact nobody knows about it because nobody would give us a Western starring Sharon Stone a chance. So we'll talk about that in a second, but... Yeah, so that's the, always the big problem with this movie is that people think of it as a Sharon Stone Western, when in reality it's a Sam Raimi Western, and that's what I really want to beat into people's heads here. Yeah, it's like when you say she got to pick the – she saw Army of Darkness apparently, mm -hmm. which uh, Raimi had done like a couple years before this. And it's kind of weird to, weird to say somebody 
was so impressed by Army of Darkness that they had to have this guy direct their movie, but that's what she wanted. And, uh, yeah, she got it, so... Yeah, and that's the thing. If people don't know, Sam Raimi did the, Ar the Army of Darkness movie, but he also did the Evil Dead. That's what most people know him. He did the uh -huh. Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, a couple others. This was his first big mainstream movie. And Sharon Stone, basically, again, because she had executive control, she got to pick any director she wanted. She's like, I like the guy who made Army of Darkness because he's quirky and this movie's quirky. And again... The studio said, um, are you really sure you want that guy helming your Western movie? He doesn't really do Westerns, but they did. And again, I, I, I absolutely love everything Sam Raimi does in this movie. But yeah, it's all because Sharon Stone just took a hard line. And it's not the only thing she took a hard line on. She also had a big hand in the casting. Yeah, like she got Russell Crowe. She saw, if memory serves correctly, Romper Stomper, mm -hmm. which is an Australian movie he did. And she loved him in that. And this is Russell Crowe's first big American movie. So she got that and saw, I think Gilbert Grape was before this as well. Mm -hmm. So she got Leo DiCaprio. And uh, yeah, she pretty much got carte blanche on everything. And again, let me just reiterate that. He's kind of underselling this, that Sharon Stone had 100% control over this movie because she was such a big deal. She pulled Sam Raimi out of nowhere, out of Evil Dead, of all places. <laughs> then she's like, there's this Australian guy, Russell Crowe, and the studio's like, well, he's not really a big draw. And she's like, this guy's going to be a huge star. Like, I'm not making this movie without Russell Crowe in it. And then the third one is the one that always astounds me is the Leo DiCaprio. And this is what people don't know about this movie is that Sharon Stone not only made a hard line on Leo DiCaprio, said, you cast this guy in the movie or I'm walking. She literally paid his salary out of her own pocket just to make yeah. sure he was in the movie. No, that's 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 an unbelievable part is like she wanted this guy so bad she was willing to pay to get him herself. Like not the studio, not anybody else, just herself. Yeah, and that's the thing. Sharon Stone is one of those people I think gets a horrible rap in Hollywood. People don't like her. You know, she has a reputation of this cold, uncaring bitch. And it gets, it's just, I've heard all these stories behind the scenes that she's not like that at all. She's just this really cool, she was this bookworm, nerdy kid who somehow grew up into a, become a movie star. And it's one of those things that I just want to really get across to people that she is 100% responsible for why this movie is so awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, I just, yeah, it's, I just love this movie and it's, if she's like part of that, then kudos to her because I personally love this movie. And like you said, it is underrated, but I mean, there's so much good about it. And I'll go on to I'll go into it later. But there's so many offshoots of different people who are in this movie that relate to other movies I like. So, yeah, we'll get into all that. So the one thing here is that yeah, so this movie came out. Sharon Stone executive produced it. They got Gene Hackman. They got uh, Sam Raimi. They got all sorts of little excellent B-movie character actors. And it just absolute bomb. This was like the one of the biggest bombs of the 90s. It didn't even make like half of its budget back. And again, it doesn't really surprise me because have you seen the trailer for The Quick and the Dead recently? No, I haven't actually. It's terrible. They just portray it as a drama. It's a straight drama. A woman comes to the West and she squares off against the mayor. And like, that's not the movie. <laughs> yeah so anyway just for people just google the quick and the dead trailer and if you've never seen it before the movie just say you, you, I, the first thing you're going to think is i don't want to watch that movie that looks terrible <laughs> and that's not the movie at all that has nothing to do with the movie really yeah if you like like if you like westerns and gunfighter movies think of it as a gunfighter movie and with like sort of a dramatic backstory and that that's it that's what it is yeah. and it's so good and really, the, the, the thing I, again, reiterate is that Sam Raimi makes such distinct movies. And he's my favorite director. I have two favorite directors, Sam Raimi and James Cameron. Are you, do you like Raimi's other movies besides this one? I'm curious. 
I like Evil Dead 1 and 2. I think Evil Dead 2 I saw first. Mm -hmm. Then I saw went back, and then Army of Darkness I saw that. But, I mean, I enjoyed Darkman for what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, Spider-Man is Spider-Man. But, I mean, his older stuff, yeah, I like Evil Dead and its quirkiness and – yeah, very For like quirky. a B horror movie. Yeah, I like yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing with Sam Raimi that you hear over and over is that he makes live action cartoons, and really that's the best way to describe in the Quick and the Dead. It's really, it's like a kung fu tournament movie set in the old west, mm-hmm. but it's like a cartoon, and it's just so over the top, and it's crazy, and it's again, it's one of those things. I can see why this movie flopped, and it almost it hurts me in a way when I hear that it flopped because I'm such a big Sam Raimi fan, and I've read interviews that. Like, he was really hurt that this movie flopped. This was his first big time to make a mainstream movie. Like, he threw everything he could into it, every trick he knew in the book. And you watch it, and you can see how much love he had. And then it was like this huge bomb to the point that people thought he would never direct another mainstream movie again. So it's one of these things that's, man, I really hope we get a lot of audience for this, especially this episode, because I feel so strongly about this movie. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for it. Okay, so we got out of the way. It's a flop. It absolutely didn't make any money. It People just saw it as a Western and not as a over-the-top cartoony thing. Yeah, it's just one of these things that just it just never found an audience. And I will flat-out admit, I'm not a Western fan. That's why it's kind of amusing that I, of all people, am talking about this movie. Like, what about you, Scott? Are you Do you like lots of different Westerns? I, I liked Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I've seen, obviously, the Man With No Name trilogy, things like that. But, like, things that a lot of people say this was based on, like, the Sergio Leone movies. Um, I can You can definitely see it. You can definitely see it in this movie. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm the hugest fan of them. Yeah, and the same here. I just, in general, I just find Westerns boring. Like, I liked Unforgiven for what it was. It had good character mm-hmm. scenes. I really don't even know most of the 60s and 70s Western movies. And it's, you hear that a lot, is that, well, you'd only like The Quick and the Dead if you know all the Westerns it's based on. I'm like, but yeah, that's not true. I don't even know most yeah. of the movies. No, that's not, yeah, that's not true. Like, it, and it has homages to them, of course, but it even has, like, an actor from a lot of them whose name I can't remember, but I'll find out in a bit. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely an homage to them as well. But as a standalone, I think this absolutely stands one of my favorite movies of the 90s, just such a cartoony, over-the-top parody-slash-homage to Westerns. But, again, it's just so much fun, and I I know so many people that finally gave this movie a chance and liked it, and I was, again, one of those. Did like, did you see this movie when it first came out? I didn't see it for many years. It was just kind of an alark. I saw it on DVD one day. I'm like, that was really fun. Yeah, I was I was the same way. I got it years after um, on, I think, it, I got on VHS first, but a couple years after it came out. And yeah, it's it's it was a fun movie. And then I saw it on Blu-ray not even a year ago. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get that again. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. And you'll still hear some criticisms of this movie, like, oh, it's too much of a Western, I don't like it. Or then you get the Western fans saying, oh, it's not Western enough, I don't like it. It's it's like, it's funny, the criticism's kind of all over the place. But it's one of those, if you just give it a chance, if you just go with the storyline they're going to set up in this movie, you are going to be on a roller coaster that you have not experienced. Like, there are very few movies similar to this. Can you think of any movie that's even close to The Quick and the Dead? As for a Western or just in general? Just in general. Any, like, anything uh, that is a comp for this movie. Not, not really. Like, it's funny when you mention, like, a kung fu tournament movie. All I thought of was Bloodsport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, Bloodsport. Like, with, with the different characters and, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, the one that, that I, I read a, a couple people mentioned was Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie. Yes. Where he just goes yeah. to an island and there's all these over-the-top kung fu fighters and it's a tournament. And that's... Again, to get to people who have never seen this movie, that's what The Quick and the Dead is. It's just a 
gunfighting tournament featuring all these big larger than life cartoon figures and it's kind of like like a wwe royal rumble it's kind of like pro wrestling <laughs> that's pretty good yeah <laughs> you know, like they all sign they all sign up at the bar in the beginning yeah and so you're introduced to all the people and then uh one by one they're eliminated and they eliminate each other and there's tiny stories backstories to each of them and that's the thing the sharon stone subplot isn't even like the biggest part of the movie there's so much other stuff going on in this movie and again it's just and we'll get into our like okay who's your favorite character there's just to to get to our audience who's never seen this movie it's just every gunfighter's popping up and they're shot from like a, a low angle so they look larger than life it's like how they used to shoot andre the giant in the wwe promos and yeah. stuff like so yeah there's yeah. like spotted horrors he's a native american he can't be killed by a bullet then you have like gene hackman <laughs> plays herod the mayor of the town he's like he doesn't know the meaning of the word fear like who is your favorite out of all these over-the-top guys oh but <sighs> Well, because I like the actor so much, Ace Hanlon, who's played by Lance Henriksen, <laughs> yeah. who's kind of like this like showman gun guy who does all these gun tricks, and then he's shown to be a fraud by Gene Hackman later on in the movie. And uh, yeah, I just I love Ace Hanlon. Yeah, who was that? There's a famous cowboy that traveled around the world doing his trick shooting competition. Do you know who that Ace Hanlon's based on? It's not Buffalo Bill, is it? It might be. Or Wild Bill Hickok, maybe? Yeah. There may be some Western fan who's going to write in and yell at us and say we're wrong. But yeah. Probably. Yeah, so... <laughs> Explain to people who Lance Hendrickson Hendrickson is, because he's a very very well known actor in a certain niche. Yeah, so if I would guess James James Cameron fans would definitely know who he is. Um, he was in the first Terminator. He's his big one was Aliens, where he played the cyborg bishop, and uh, he's done a whole bunch of different things. I'm a big fan of his TV show that he did called Millennium, mm -hmm. um, where he played like a sort of a psychic FBI agent. Um, but he's a very famous character actor. Yeah, and he shows up here as Ace Hanlon, this guy who travels around from town to town doing trick shots. He's like the biggest legend in the Old West, and he's like, again, just one of the many colorful characters in this tournament. Yeah, there's, it's not yeah, – there's, there's just so many of them. Like, Ace Hanlon is one. Um, there's a sort of a – he turns out to be a gun for hire, but Keith David, who's another amazing character actor, plays sort of this uh, – pretty much the town hires him to kill the mayor. Mm-hmm in this gun tournament and uh he's just great just from the, the first line when he signs up and the, the bartender who's putting his name up he says sergeant Cantrell." he's like how do you spell that he just sits there smokes his pipe he says correctly <laughs> <laughs> yeah great great so good yeah this I, I i don't know if anybody reads bill simmons he's a pop culture uh columnist columnist and i've read him for years and he used to have a thing a column he had actors he used to call them that guys Actors, you didn't necessarily know their names. You just recognized them yes. from movies. And this movie's like the uh, That Guy Hall of Fame. It's got Lance Hendrickson there. You got Keith David, who you just mentioned. For people who don't know, Keith David was in There's Something About Mary. He plays Mary's stepdad. Is it The Beans of the Frank? And he's an alien, <laughs> or not alien, uh, The Thing. He's the, the guy Thing, at yeah. the end with John Carpenter, or with, uh, yeah. with uh, Kurt Russell. So he's one of these guys that just floats around for years. He was in They Live with Roddy Piper, I think. So you got yep. Keith David, Lance Hendrickson. You got a bunch of... Uh, old western actors like pat hingle he's the mm -hmm. droopy dog guy right he's this old character actor who kind of looks like droopy dog yeah <laughs> yes. yeah and then we got uh tobin bell in here shows up as a gunfighter who a lot of people would know as jigsaw from the saw movies yeah. he plays a gunfighter and you won't even <laughs> recognize him i don't even know that was him until i read the credits <laughs> he's in there too and yep <laughs> okay even more character again we have gene hackman we've already mentioned we got leo dicaprio russell crowe all these that guy actors. 
And then you got Robert's Blossom, and one of my all-time favorite that guy actors, who you might know as the Shovel Slayer from Home Alone. <laughs> he shows up in here. He's also the guy that sold uh, Arnie the car and Christine. Christine, yes. Yes. And then we got Gary Sinise of all people yeah. shows up as Sharon Stone's dad. <laughs> yeah, he's in the movie for like what five minutes, maybe. Yeah. And it's, wow, that's Gary Sinise. What is he doing here? <laughs> it's like Sam Raimi had this embarrassment of riches dumped on him for this movie, and it's one of these things. A lot of these people came, became way bigger stars later or were bigger stars in other movies. And it's just so much fun to watch all these random actors pop up in this movie that are all big deals elsewhere. Yeah, and, and it's weird, like, going back after you have seen a whole bunch of different movies. You go back and watch this, and even the Swedish champion <laughs> – I. <laughs> He's he's LaFors from Mallrats. Like, like what? And again, just to reiterate that this is a live action cartoon, Sam Raimi movies are not really meant to be taken seriously. It's he's one of these things. He's like a fan of the Three Stooges. He loves slapstick. He just loves goofy things. And that's one of the things I love about this movie is, like you mentioned, uh, the, the Swedish champion in, the, in this gunfighting tournament. There's the Swedish champion Gutsen. Why is the Swedish champion walking around the Old West? <laughs> How the hell did he get yeah, over there? Yeah, how did he find out about this tournament <laughs> in the Old West? Yeah. Telegram. So that's the premise of this movie, that all these gunfighters from around the world have shown up in this little no-name town, that they apparently run this tournament every year. Apparently this is like a yearly yeah, thing. Yeah. So you got Leo DiCaprio in there as John Herod's son, the kid who's like the this uh, famous Wild West bandit who just wants the respect of his father. Man, I, I'm even leaving some out. Who am I forgetting? I know there's other gunfighters. I've, I'm kind of forgetting here. Oh, there's a there's a guy, Scars, who yes. breaks out of prison to come into this tournament? Yeah, he breaks out of prison <laughs> just so he can be in the tournament. He's got <laughs> full-on scar down his face. And again, Sam Raimi in an interview said, oh, that's my tribute to Curly of the Three Stooges. He's like a Wild West Curly. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, uh, yeah, Court. I mean, I'm not even mentioning one of the major characters. Court, who's Russell Crowe. Who's like, he used to be the scariest gunfighter killer around, but then he killed a priest on a, during a mission once, and it, it turned him good, so he's like trying to atone for that. He's become a man of God. He's nonviolent, and he's been forced into this tournament by Herod. It's like this, so yeah. over the top. <laughs> best, best part, so Gene Hackman plays John Herod. He's sort of a, I get they call him, I guess he's the mayor, yeah. but he kind of strong arms the entire town, <laughs> and it's the entire town... When I say that, so they look down the street of the town, and there's like five buildings on each side, and yeah. that's the town. Yeah. The town is basically the saloon and then a whorehouse. <laughs> so, <laughs> John Herod, the king of the land. Oh, and then the, the town, so his son, I, guess, I don't know if it's strictly a gun shop, but he sells guns in this town. So he, so John Herod goes to buy a gun for court later on in the film, and, and the kid goes, Oh, there's lots of places to buy a gun in this town. <laughs> it's, it's like not a, the saloon? It's not a uh, it's not a monopoly. There's plenty of choices for your gun purchase. <laughs> yeah, and that's again when I hear people, I, I to this day I still see criticism of this movie. There, like, well, it's, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's not serious enough. Like well, it's not supposed to. No. <laughs> it's so much fun. Okay. So again, here's the tournament. All these people coming into town, and then the star of the movie, Sharon Stone, she shows up. And again, the casual sexism of the Old West was, is displayed very prominently in the movie, where they never even know her name. They just call her the lady. The lady. <laughs> Nobody gives a crap what her name is. And like, when she shows up, 
like the brothel owners like beckoning her over and even the saloon owners like yeah whores stay next door like like there there's no concept that a woman would just show up in this town and not be a whore yeah <laughs> so sharon stone shows up and again she's got this agenda like she's here for a mission she's in this gunfighting tournament and again it's played for laughs, but it gets deadly serious as the movie goes along. They have this really effective way of revealing her backstory through flashbacks, which I really appreciate. And that's one thing that always jumps out at me, how they kind of sneak the sentimentality of this movie in there along the way. Yeah, and they do it slowly, too. Like, they, they show her as a as a girl, and they show Herod um, abducting her father, who was the marshal, I guess, of this town. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of this, so they slowly reveal it until like the end reveal of her killing her father. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's quite emotional when that happens. And admittedly, I will say Sharon Stone is not the best actress. <laughs> like, she's not really the reason you watch this movie. And again, it's so sad that it was marketed around her being the star of the movie. But you watch it and like she... Like, she's trying to kind of do a Clint Eastwood impression, I think. She does everything in monotone and just one or two words when she gives answers. But just, again, if you don't like Sharon Stone, don't let that turn you off, because she's not that big a part of the movie, really. It's almost like the characters as a whole are the movie. It's mostly Mr. Gutzen, the Swedish champion. <laughs> mostly his story. He sailed on a boat. I did enjoy the, uh, the, gun, the gun-loading training montage. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when they're all loading their guns and it's like an, an 80s montage oh, so good yeah and again anybody who's seen the evil dead you know the way sam raimi does action scenes and montages with these crazy camera angles where he's spinning in on stuff and zooming in and out and like messing with the foreground and background just to create a weird perception and he does it all sorts of times in this movie and it, I, I always refer to it as someone gave sam some sugar like sam goes on a spaz attack all of a sudden he starts zooming in and zooming out for no reason <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so here's the tournament with all these mysterious characters in here, and you got this dark understory where the lady, like, her dad was kidnapped by John Herod and killed many years ago. She's here to avenge this. And you don't really get the details of why, what happened, but you yeah. just kind of get this at the start. So uh, should we go through the matches, or how do you think we should we should lay out this movie? There's so many ways you can talk about this one. Yeah, I mean, you can go through some of the major ones, I guess. Okay, yeah, we'll just, we'll kill, again... I hate to spoil this movie for you, but, like, I, I just want to talk about it because it's so much fun. <laughs> All right, so the first movie, or the first uh, match is the kid, who is Leo DiCaprio, against uh, the Swedish champion, Gutsen, fresh out of Stockholm. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, before we even get to the first match, again, it's just like a kung fu tournament. It's just like a WWE Royal Rumble. All these shots are just the gunfighters walking around town, eyeing each other and stuff. It's, it's Again, it's so crazy and over the top and again everyone has an agenda everyone's here for a different reason some just want the money some just want to kill somebody there's this guy dog kelly played by tobin bell who's just there because he wants to kill ellen the lady because she stole his gold claim like everybody's got a different agenda <laughs> and then dog kelly who that was i think that was the very beginning of the movie when she chains him up to a wagon yeah and then he shows up in the town with the wagon wheel on his leg. <laughs> yeah, she, she chained him to a wagon. And next time you see him in town with a wagon still chained to his leg, he just happened to break off the wheel. And again, this is Jigsaw from Saw. <laughs> Unrecognizable. Okay, yeah, so we get the, uh, we get the first uh, – I'm just uh, going through my notes here. Yeah, before yeah. the first the, – they start the tournament, you just see everyone doing their little thing. You see Clay Cantrell, the hitman. He's like a Union soldier. They've, the town is hired to kill Herod. 
and he's just talking. He's you can see him being paid off by the villagers. You see Ace Hamlin again, uh, Scott's favorite guy, who I happen to love as well. He's my favorite character. Ace doing a trick shot exhibition where he, he can fire a uh, he can shoot a gun through a playing card that a little girl's holding. And then, and then Herod points out that she, he uh, shot some girl's finger off doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Herod played by Gene Hackman, and I will say this in in this movie's defense, my dad. My dad taught me many things when I was a kid, and one thing he taught me that always stuck with me with me was Gene Hackman has never made a bad movie. Mario, just remember that as you grow up. Gene Hackman does not make bad movies. So, like, he is fantastic in this. He is such a good villain. And it's kind of a shame he did Unforgiven, which was right before this. He played a very similar role. But, like, he is, like, the prototypical Western villain, and he's so fantastic in this. Yeah, he's the kind of it's, – it's just like a Western villain where – Everybody in the town knows who he is, but nobody else in the world knows who he is. <laughs> yes. He's the mayor of the six-person town with the whorehouse and the bar. Yeah. yeah, he just does some really scummy stuff in this movie. Like, he's got a kid who he won't take, a, he won't take responsibility for. He uh, Again, we know he killed Ellen's father, the lady's father. He's just an absolute dick to court. Court this poor guy who wants to be a priest. And Hackman's like, well, we'll put you in the tournament. Let's see if that killer side comes out of you again, because I, I, don't, I don't believe you're a priest now. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so we get all these montages of people lining up for the tournament, and then it just starts. Yeah, the first round is uh, the kid against Swedish champion Gutsen. <laughs> yeah, the, the Swedish champion threatens to just wound him. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the kid uh, pretty much dispatches him with two shots after the Swedish guy gets hit twice and quits. Yes, Leo DiCaprio's first moment on screen. And again, and Leo, he's like 20 years old in this movie, but he looks like he's about six, I would say. Yeah, yeah, he looks really young. <laughs> yeah, in fact, there's a scene where uh, where he kisses Sharon Stone right at the start. They kiss, and every time I watch it, like my wife's like, ew, <laughs> he's like six years old. <laughs> Well, it's assumed, isn't it assumed they sleep together? They do. They do sleep together, yeah. yeah. Leo nails Sharon Stone in this movie. Way to go, Leo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, uh, what, well, that was the first match. What's the second match? I'm going through my notes here. I'm trying to remember the actual uh, chronology here. Oh, don't... Uh, the second one... Um... Before we do the second match, let's talk about these gunfights and how Sam Raimi decides he's going to film these. Yeah, so they're all done at a certain hour, okay? So they decide what hour they're going to do. And and he uses quick zoom-ins. So every every almost every gunfight, they zoom in on the clock and the ticking of the hand, and then they'll zoom in on each fighter once, and then zoom in on each fighter again and again until they get right up to their eyes, and then the shot. And it's it it's it's pretty it's funny when I think about it, but well, it's really it's really well done. Yeah, and I was going to say that you know Roger Ebert pointed out in his review of this movie, it's really just like eight gunfights. That's the movie. So they have to find a way to create drama between basically the same scene done over and over again. And Sam Raimi, to his credit, tries to make them all different. And they, again, every one is from a different angle or different zoom cuts. And again, it's there's no way to describe this if you've never seen it other than Sam Raimi. Someone just gave him some sugar and he had a spaz attack. <laughs> <laughs> and in the first one, you got to see just the, the different angles and zoom cuts he starts doing between Leo and the Swedish champion Gutsun. Yeah, And he'll do that throughout the movie. Every gunfight will be a little different because Raimi has to present them a little differently, a little more over the top than the rest, just so they all stand out. And it's, to his credit, he really makes them entertaining. Yeah, because, well, he kind of has to. So that's why he gives every every fighter a sort of semi-backstory. And that way you sort of, you're sort of invested in yeah. each fight. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, every mm. fight, there should it should mean something to you as a viewer. You should be invested in one of the characters. 
And it's really kind of ingenious because as, as the movie goes along, you're invested in every character in every duel by the end, which is really kind of cool, I think. Yeah, considering like how little time you have to establish these people who are going to be killed off in the span of like half an hour. Yeah, no, it's and, and I've heard some criticisms of this movie that say, well, it's predictable. You can see where it's going. I'm like, it kind of is. But like Enter the Dragon was predictable, too. You're pretty sure Bruce Lee was going to be there at the end. Like, <laughs> I mean, do you think that's really a flaw that it's predictable? I don't think so, because sometimes predictability is OK as long as the story you use to get to it is OK. If you can see it developing in, a, in your head and it gets to the place that you wanted it to go, I think that's very satisfying. Yeah, I mean, you used a wrestling analogy earlier. That's that's one of the things people complain about wrestling now is it's very predictable. But, I mean, if the story you tell is good, who cares if it's predictable? Exactly. Yeah, wrestling fans don't care. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, so the first match is won by Kid, Leo DiCaprio, and then we get a little montage of all these minor characters winning. You see Spotted Horse, and again, I keep coming back to Spotted Horse for... People who haven't seen this movie, he's the most over-the-top <laughs> character. He's just, just eight-foot-tall Native American. I cannot be killed by a bullet. <laughs> like that's, that's his shtick. And so it becomes very, very funny in his death scene later in the movie. Oh, yeah, because he gets up. There's one point he gets in the bu- up, on, up on a table in the bar, and he's saying, oh, I got shot five times in the back. And then he goes, I got shot twice in the head today, and they haven't even come out yet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, how anybody could take this movie seriously with that dialogue in there. Oh. Got shot twice one, today. <laughs> yeah, I got shot twice today. And there's one, he's so minor, but I laugh every time I see it. When they're signing up at the bar in the beginning, there's a guy there named Virgil Sparks. <laughs> yeah. He walks in, he's got two girls on his arm, big white hat, and he's like, Virgil Sparks, the pride of Texas. But if you watch before he says that, they close in on Sharon Stone, and behind her is a wanted poster this is Virgil Sparks, rape and murder. Yeah, I, I did just notice that on the last viewing. The pride of Texas, well-known rapist. Well-known rapist. Yeah. And that's funny because that's like his only mention in the movie. And then yeah. he goes out as a chump later in the movie. You don't even see his death scene. He just goes out in a montage. Yeah, he gets killed. I think he gets killed by Cantrell, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And it's, oh, uh, I got to say, it's funny. I read internet message boards about the quick and the dead. And it's funny how many fans there are, closet fans of this movie out there. And they'll do, like, fantasy leagues of, like, who would win in a fight, Cantrell or Spotted Horse? Like, I see them do, like, little mini tournaments in their head. Wow. <laughs> quick and the Dead fan Deadliest edition. Warrior, Quick and the Dead edition. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, could Herod kill Spotted Horse? Spotted Horse can't be killed by a bullet. Who would win? <laughs> I just hope you guys listen to how much fun and joy we have just talking about this movie and that's that it's the same experience watching it and again i yeah i envy people who have never seen it and who are going to watch it for the first time because of this podcast it's so much fun yeah it's it's just a fun watch and it'll go like it's a fairly long movie in the grand scheme of things but it, it goes by fast you won't even notice it yeah it's and again you don't have to like westerns at all it, forget that it's even a western it just happens to be set in the west it's a kung fu movie set in the west yeah, like they 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 even went as far as like using authentic Western guns. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what was the point? Like, it's just so over the top. Like Sharon Stone's wearing these cool sunglasses that no Western person would ever wear. <laughs> Got Ray Bans on in the old West. <laughs> I read somewhere they have her in this spandex or the skin tight leather outfit. Like Sharon Stone, it's literally Sharon Stone walking around in skin tight leather in the old west. And I read that she couldn't even sit down as like an actress in between takes. Like oh, they man. couldn't, she couldn't. They had to bring in a stand in and stuff. Oh man. And I do have to say, like you said, why do they even bother with the guns? 
And then this is the thing about the quick and the dead that makes it fun is that it's got this killer soundtrack. It's got one of the greatest Western soundtracks I've ever heard. I, like, you know what much theme of music I'm talking about, right? Oh, no, you'll have to say it. Okay, no, I just, it goes, dun, 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 dun. In fact, I'll play it at the start of the podcast. People can hear it. It'll be the intro yeah. music. And it's funny, like... Oh, yes, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the victory music at the end. Yeah, it's such a yeah. cool theme. It's yeah, like, yeah. it was performed by Alan Silvestri, or Silvestri, who made yeah. the Back to the Future yeah. music. Like, he's a big shot composer. And this movie has just a killer, authentic Western soundtrack, like it's right up there with some of the spaghetti Western themes, to the point that, like when I play the video game Roller Coaster Tycoon and you get to do the different themed areas of your park, when you, mm -hmm. whenever I'm going to do a Western theme, I always put the Quick and the Dead music in there. It's like indisputable. <laughs> it has to go. That's not negotiable. <laughs> yeah, now now that you say that, yeah, it's it's really good. Okay, so now we get to uh, the round two. We've got a bunch of montages. Now we get to the second major character. This is Court. This is this is really the lead character of this movie. This is Russell Crowe playing this fallen gunfighter who's now a priest. He's a man of God, and he refuses to kill anybody. He will not raise his gun in anger. And he's set into this tournament against this guy, Foy, who's just kind of a jerk, and, like, his kids hate the priest. Remember, they're just, like, throwing garbage at him and stuff. <laughs> Don't they go – they just, like, yeah, so – he, his kids beat him up pretty much it's like eight kids just beat up this chained preach preacher <laughs> yes. this is the kind of town we're in here where a dad is encouraging his four children to beat up the preacher <laughs> yeah apparently everyone here has this huge problem with religion i don't get why, why they hate the preacher so much they just yeah court will just be abused to no end in this whole movie they just pound him beat on him they'll break his hand yeah. and he won't fight back and that's the thing he's he he wants to live a life of peace, and again, even though it's over the top, they play court very straight because court is the dead serious character. Like I have killed in the past, I've done bad things, I will not kill anymore. And then the mayor of the town's like, "No, nah, let's see what happens when someone points a gun at you. I just want to see if you get your killer instinct back." <laughs> and this is this is the point where he gets the gun, right? Yeah, they this is a fantastic. His thing. son's gun shop. So Herod takes court to the gun shop and says to his son, "Okay, I want." I want a gun, not any good gun, just any old piece of junk you got lying around. And the son gives him the gun with one bullet because Herod, Gene Hackman's character, is scared that he might take a shot at him or something. Yeah, he'll Never shoot his anybody way. else pick up a gun and shoot him. Yeah, he'll shoot his way out of town. <laughs> yeah, he'll shoot his way out of town. And uh, so he gets, the, he gets the one bullet and uh, proceeds to go fight Foy. And it's it's a great scene because, again, Russell Crowe has vowed, I will never shoot a gun. I will never kill anybody again. And and it's you can just see him in the gun shop when they're when he's looking at the gun he's going to be forced to use in the tournament. He's like pacing back and forth in the gun shop like an alcoholic in a bar, like because he used to do this for a living. Yeah. He was a murderer, and you can just see in Russell Crowe's eyes like he's kind of I don't want to go off the wagon. I don't want to fall off the wagon. I'm not going to kill again. So it's a it's a big dramatic moment if he's actually going to raise a gun in anger or if he's just going to be gunned down by this foy, this no name foy guy. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he survives. Yeah, he survives. At the last minute, Court reaches down and shoots and kills this guy, and he's shocked. He's like, I can't believe I just raised a gun in anger. And, like, Gene Hackman's back there applauding him, like, yeah, welcome back, killer, yeah. welcome back. Yeah, yeah. He's like, how does it feel? So, uh, in this, there's there's a couple scenes here between Sharon Stone and Russell Crowe where she's trying to get his backstory, and he's like, well, you know, I'm a priest now, but I wasn't always a priest. I... At one point, you couldn't tell me apart from John Herod. I was as bad as he was, maybe even worse. And I've always thought the the uh, implication there is that he might have been involved in killing her father. Although they don't really spell that out. I always Have you ever wondered about that, if he was there when her father died? Uh, I think they would have showed it. Like, I never thought about it until I watched it a couple times. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, they never show it, so I, it never really clicked with me. Yeah, that he might have done it, but yeah, and yeah, then, that that is sort of implied. Yeah, and this is where we get some of these really deep emotional moments in this movie, where where Ellen is disgusted, the lady is disgusted that that a court could have been a killer once, and then we get this subplot, and this is one I always kind of forget about here with the little girl in the bar, and Ellen kind of sees what's going on. Do you remember this? What yeah. scene I'm talking about? Yeah, it's for people who don't know, there's this subplot where the the uh, owner of the inn has a little 12 year old girl and she's being groomed to be a prostitute like the, the yeah. this brothel creepy brothel owner is like sleeping with her and flirting with her and trying to get her to join his whorehouse and like ellen is absolutely incensed that someone would do this to a little girl and so she kind of <clears> takes <throat> a little girl under her wing and it's it will come into play later but it's uh, people tend to forget about that subplot it's kind of dark yeah yeah with so eugene is the the name of the owner and uh, earlier on he offers this little girl a necklace and it's really creepy and it, it kind of comes to comes to a head later on okay so here we go here's one of the signature scenes in the movie this is the first duel with john harrod where and again gene hackman just everyone else is like a big colorful legend in the west but they're all mostly bluster mostly story he's like the real deal and he's got this one guy ace hanlon the traveling marksman and harrod decides i'm going to embarrass this guy in front of everybody just because i hate him <laughs> yeah so we go he asks Ace about, I guess it was a gunfight um, years ago, um, and he said, Ace Hanlon goes, well, it's a shame you weren't there to see it. And Gene Hackman calls him out. He says, oh, I was there because I was the one who killed the Terrence brothers. And then, and then cue, cue the awesome music and the close-ups, and uh, Gene Hackman proceeds to just kind of pick him apart, takes out one hand, um, dares him to fight with the left. He shoots that hand too, and then the great – shot right in the head with the slow motion just blowback of Lance <laughs> Henriksen with all the hair flying backwards. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a scene you can see on YouTube. They always it's, there's like 15 different variants of it posted just this scene right here right here where uh yeah, John Harrod decides he's going to embarrass Ace. Shoots out both of his hands, shoots his feet, makes him dance just to embarrass him in front of the town and then blows his hand his head off. And there's a great Gene Hackman line. Again, he's got so many little dick lines in this movie. And this is the one where, where Ace Hanlon's like, well, I can shoot with both my right and left hand. And so, like, the first round of the shot, Gene Hackman shoots the gun out of his right hand and blows his right hand off. And then Hackman lights a cigar and's like, how about that left hand, Ace? Yeah. <laughs> he takes out the left hand, too. Yeah. <laughs> For Lance Hendrickson, is just there, no hand, like, no hands. <laughs> and just he just gets blown away after that. Yeah. Bag of... The hot air, as he says. <laughs> yeah, and there's this great moment where every time someone famous dies in this gunfight, all the kids will run and loot his body. Like, there's no respect for the dead in this town. <laughs> they all want Ace Hanlon's clothes. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, so the, so the whole town runs and loots. Like, they take, like, his boots and his belt. And <laughs> the guy, who, Scars, who broke out of prison, goes to grab his jacket. Yeah. And... Take the Amigo's clothes. <laughs> okay, so we've got a, a couple of tournaments here. And again, Sharon Stone, the lady, hasn't even fought yet. And this is where we get her first fight against, fight against Dog Kelly, the guy who last we saw had a wagon wheel still chained to his leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so they fight in the first round, and there's this whole big thing where, you know, Ellen's in town for vengeance. You know she's back there. You know why she's here. But she's never actually killed anybody before. So it's this thing, can she actually shoot a man when she has to? And so this is the big shot. And then, uh, yeah, Raimi does a bunch of little spazzy sugar jump cuts here where he goes in and out between <laughs> Ellen and uh, Kelly and there's a great moment I even wrote in my notes here that right before like they're standing there and you wait for the clock to click like a certain hour before they can draw their guns 
And like Raimi really ramps up the tension in this scene where he holds on silence for like almost a full minute leading up to that gun yeah. draw. It's really cool. I enjoy some of them. Like in some of the fights, he does it. So they'll they'll have one click of the hand, and he'll cut away to different people in the town, and just random people you'll never see again. Yeah. So they cut to like John Harrod's bodyguard <laughs> and like the Undertaker. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, the random zoom ins on the on the extras in the town. <laughs> Here's the owner of the restaurant. Let's see what he thinks. <laughs> the the doctor guy. <laughs> he, just, he just looks so concerned. <laughs> they close it up on him. And, oh my... and I should point out that, that Sharon Stone wins her duel, but it's not entirely of her own volition. People tend to forget that Court tips her off, Russell Crowe. As she's going up for her first match, he kind of has sympathy for her, this woman in this gun tournament. And he says, you know, there's a click before the clock strikes wait you can hear it and it gives you a little advantage in that first round so that's kind of why she does well in the start start of the tournament yeah and they cut to cut to her killing kelly and uh she's almost like she's just oh like a deep breath she kisses the kid and Mm -hmm. yeah so (sighs) okay so the first round is over all the major characters have advanced of course and we've got lots of random zoom ins to extras in the town to think to see what they thought about it (laughs) and now we get to the second round and this is where Gene Hackman is intrigued by this woman in his gunfight that he's never seen a woman gunfighter before. And again, I guess we should talk about that a little bit, that it's kind of the, it kind of throws this movie off a little bit. And I think that's one thing that people tend to have a problem with it, like that a woman gunfighter like that would never happen. But like, it's really interesting having her in there because now Herod kind of has a crush on her and we have a dinner scene here, which you would never have in any other gunfight movie because we actually have romantic rivals here, which kind of adds a whole new dimension to this movie. Yeah, she has to travel from her uh, upscale hotel establishment right across the street to Gene Hackman's house. Yeah, yeah. Herod invites her over for dinner, and she shows up in like a full party dress. And I don't know how she had a party dress with her in her little saddlebag. Yeah, and you ha- and you Hafner there at the house in his smoking jacket. But this really is one of the best dramatic scenes in the movie. This is where you have the two lead actors actually have a dramatic scene where they're sitting at a dinner table. Gene Hackman's having dinner with Sharon Stone. And again, she's in town to kill him. That's the only reason she's here, because this guy killed her father when she was a little girl. So she has a little gun. She's pointing it under the table as they're having a conversation. And it's just a really neat scene where, through sheer force of intimidation, he basically intimidates her not to shoot him because he's so terrifying. Because he basically, what's his story that he's never known fear in his life or something like that? Yeah, he's never known fear, and he likes he likes the adrenaline of it. And pretty much, yeah, she has like a small little knuckle buster mm-hmm. pistol uh, on her leg. And they, they keep cutting back to it, and that she sort of goes for it, but then she sort of stops. And it turns out she just she ends up not being able to do it out of fear. Yeah. Although, do you remember his story? I had forgotten about this until my Dallas airport viewing the other day. Remember his story of what his father did to him, why he's such a cold-blooded son of a bitch? Oh, I don't remember that. Okay, yeah, for people, this is a kind of, a, I forget about this scene, too, where he talks about why he is the way he is, why he's such a stone-cold killer, is that when he was a kid, his dad was crazy. And his dad one day took a gun and played Russian roulette with all the members of his family, with his mom and him and his dad. And like, so he'd had guns put to his head and clicked by a crazy person before. And his dad ended up blowing his own brains out. But that's why Gene Hackman just doesn't fear death anymore, because he's faced death. He's had that gun pointed at his head before. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, so Ellen Bale, she can't kill him. She just doesn't have it in, in her to kill a human being. Her first gunfight, she beat Dog Kelly, but she only wounded him. She didn't kill him. So... 
that's the thing with Ellen. Can she actually kill somebody when the push comes to shove? And at this point, she can't. Gene Hackman has called her bluff and stared her down. So that's where we are as we go into the second part of the movie here. Yeah, and she is this is she leaves <laughs> is this where she leaves town like maybe 100 meters out of town to go to Boot Hill? No, not yet. She's got to kill somebody first. She's got to kill the uh, the whore master first. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. So, so the, the whoremaster, he, he comes he comes down the stairs and they pretty much intimate that he raped this little girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just can't take it anymore. And she says, oh, you son of a bitch. I'll challenge you right now. And they proceed to go out in the pouring rain and not even a gunfight. They're just firing away. Yeah, there's not really any art to it. It's just Sharon Stone being so furious that this guy is having sex with a little girl that he she just blows him away. And then she, like, shoots him in the balls. Like, it's, it's a pretty harsh scene. I'd kind of forgotten how harsh this one was. <laughs> yeah, she, she shoots his dick off pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he begs for begs for mercy, and John Harrod steps out of his house saying, oh, finish him off, finish him off. This fight is not over! <laughs> yeah. And so she eventually kills him out of self-defense, but Sharon Stone, the lady, has done her first kill... Out of self-defense, but she has now crossed a line that she didn't know she could cross, and she feels horrible. So she's going to basically leave town at this point. Like, she can't do this. This is too much for her. She's here to kill this Herod guy, but it's too much. So she leaves, and it's a really beautiful shot where she opens the barn door, and she kind of rides off. It's really kind of pretty. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, when she, yeah, when she, just when she leaves town, uh, eventually to go try to find her father's grave. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're skipping over a couple and fights she... here. There's some important fights coming up here. We'll go yeah. to the grave scene in a second. Okay, so round two, we only have eight fighters left. Again, this was a 16-team, 16 16-man 16 tournament, just like uh, the NCAAs. It works out when you have a 16-man bracket. It works out very even. So John Herod, in his first round, embarrassed uh, Ace Hanlon, the the, the uh, showman. And now he's going to embarrass the hired gun who has been brought into town to kill him. It's uh, Clay Cantrell. And this is another scene you'll see posted on YouTube all over the place, a very famous showdown here. Yeah, and before and he has he almost he has Cantrell over for, for like afternoon tea or something, mm-hmm. where they explain Clay Cantrell's backstory and how he's a traveling shootist and pretty much the town hired him to kill John Herod. Yeah, he basically says, you know, uh, they always hire someone to come in and kill me. I couldn't tell who it was. I thought it was Ace Hanlon this year. Again, in, in, intimating that this gun tournament happens every year and it follows the same basic pattern every year. Herod's like, yeah, I was trying to figure out who the hired killer was this year. But he says, but it's you, you're the real deal. And Herod's like, uh, or Cantrell's like, yeah, well, I don't take any pleasure. I'm just a hired gun. And Gene Hackman gets that little laugh. He goes, he's like, I'm going to make an example out of you today. (laughs) And and then they both start laughing. Yeah. Yeah, So, and again, all the villagers have hired this guy Cantrell to come in and kill John Herod. And Herod just absolutely blows him away. He like shoots him in the stomach. And then he uh, shoots the gun out of his hand the second time. And then we get... Maybe the most famous shot in the movie, his his kill shot on Clay Cantrell. Oh yeah, it's so brutal. All right, why don't you why don't you paint a picture for our listeners here of this one? Oh, so so originally, I guess in the tournament, it's uh, like not the last man standing, but you can quit. So at the beginning of this fight, um, it's now to the death, and uh, so they. Go... Yeah. Herod has changed the rules. All gunfights now to yeah. the death. <laughs> Clay Cantrell is so still confident. Oh, I was going to kill you anyway. <laughs> yeah, not so much. So, so Herod proceeds to shoot him, I believe, in the belly, and uh, just he pretty much exposes the town. 
just imposes more fear on the town by yeah. killing this guy who they hired and gives a speech about how this is his town and he can't believe after all he's given them like a whorehouse and a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is Gene Hackman's big monologue. He he blows away Cantrell, then he shoots out the back of his head, which is a famous Sam Raimi shot where you get the bullseye yeah. shot through Clay Cantrell's skull, which is a wonderful over-the-top <laughs> Sam Raimi shot. Yeah, and then Gene Hackman gives us a little monologue like, I don't understand you people in the town. I give you protection. Where do you raise the money to hire these people to kill me? This is my town. And then he like waits and like makes them start applauding for him. (laughs) Now applaud. Yeah, he starts walking away and wait. Yeah, (laughs) you're not applauding. John Herod is a bad mofo at this point. (laughs) Like no one's going to mess with him. Like there's no chance anybody's going to beat him in the tournament except for maybe Court. And that's kind of where this whole tournament is headed, obviously, where Court is the one real gunfighter in the tournament. So anyway, yeah, so Herod yeah. advances to the final four, and then we get the kid, Leo DiCaprio, it beats Scars, your favorite Scars, who just broke out of yeah. prison just for this tournament. <laughs> and then, yeah, so the kid, the kid is just cocky, Leo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. and he's like, I am so goddamn fast, I'm the, is it possible to improve on perfection? And then he starts taunting his dad, Herod, like, I'm the new goddamn mayor of this town. Yes, yeah, and he just looks over at his dad, and dad looks unimpressed. Yeah. <laughs> Hackman forever unimpressed with his delinquent son. <laughs> but the son, I think he's married at this point. He is. He, he married the uh, the girl. I don't know. I don't want to call her a whore. I think it's <laughs> I safe to was... say in this town she's probably a whore. <laughs> he marries the the redheaded whore <laughs> who shows off her ring. Yeah. And which which I don't I don't know if you know about the the wedding scene. I that do. Was deleted. Yeah. Explain that to yeah, people. So... I just read about that. Yeah, so it wasn't – so apparently they filmed this wedding scene between the kid and Maddie, who <laughs> this was the horror of the town. And, um, but the big thing about it was Sam Raimi, who obviously did Evil Dead 1, 2, Army Darkness. So Bruce Campbell had a cameo in this wedding scene, but they apparently deleted it all. The only sort of mention of it is when Maddie shows her ring um, to Ellen mm-hmm. just before the gunfight. But yeah, they filmed this whole wedding scene with the kid, and, and that was all taken out. Bruce Campbell was in this movie, just like he's in every Sam Raimi movie, or most of them, and they cut him out. So, yeah, Bruce Campbell was supposed to be in this movie, but they cut his one scene out. Very sad. Yeah. All right, so we have the final, the first three uh, gunfighters in the final four. We've got uh, Herod, of course. We've got his son, the kid. We've got Ellen. And now we get my personal favorite gunfight in the movie, where Court faces off against <laughs> spotted horrors who cannot spotted be horse. killed by a bullet. <laughs> So, yeah, so, again, you get this big eight-foot-tall Indian who can't be killed by a bullet, and he's up against Court, who's uh, Russell Crowe, this, like, the greatest gunfighter in the Old West history. And, again, it's the same rule as before. Herod gives him one bullet. He's like, well, I can't give you more. You might shoot your way out of town. So I'll give you one bullet to kill Spotted Horse. Good luck. <laughs> so so he, he goes on to shoot Spotted Horse once. Spotted Horse goes down, and... Uh... He proceeds to get back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah this is just, again, such an over-the-top scene. He can't be killed by a bullet, so you shoot this guy like Jason Voorhees, and then Spotted Horse rises up again. Uh, and like, Court's like, I only have one bullet. And Herod's like, sorry, that's all you get. Those were the rules. And so and so, uh, Court is frantically looking around for another bullet because he's trying to kill this unkillable Indian, and, and like Spotted Horse is shooting at him, and, and Court keeps ducking the bullets and stuff. And finally... There's this little blind boy. He's like a he operates some kind of little supplies cart, and Court's asking for a bullet, and the blind kid throws him a bullet in the air, and you get this little Sam Raimi shot, like the bullet cam. You see it spinning in the air, and then Court catches it, 
shoot Spotted Horse the second time. Spotted Horse goes down. And then there's this big relief, like, oh, finally. And then Spotted Horse gets up again. He starts rising. <laughs> Spotted Horse cannot be killed by And then uh, uh, and he just goes down like it's Hulk Hogan rising up after he's getting beat up. He pulls a Hulk Hogan, and then he finally collapses. It's like Spotted Horse. Has, he cannot be killed by a bullet. He can be killed by two bullets, though. Two bullets. Yeah, he raises his arm for the third time, and everybody in town goes, oh. <laughs> his arm just collapses. <laughs> So we have our final four. We have the kid, we have his dad, Herod, we have Court, and we have Ellen. And this is where we have the scene you were talking about where now all of a sudden they're going to start revealing the story of why the lady's back in the town. What exactly happened to her father and why she's so pissed at John Herod? And she goes to her grave of her father, who used to be the marshal of this town, Gary Sinise. And so, yeah, here we go. I'll let you explain this one where he kind of fills her in on what happened. She meets the doctor there, the old doctor, Robert's Blossom. Yeah, so the old doctor recognizes her and says he recognizes her and explains that John Herod had his had her father's body burned and that it's in an unmarked grave and that it's not where she's looking. And she explains that she had the chance to kill John and that she couldn't do it. She was afraid. And then the doctor explains, like, it's a good town. There are good people. They're just cowards. Yeah. Um, they need someone good. Go back. They need someone yeah. strong to inspire them to stand up to Herod. Yeah, and so we keep yeah, seeing so more. Of this, her to go back to the town. Yeah, and we keep seeing more of this flashback of when Ellen's dad died, and now we see that that Herod they they came into town, they kidnapped Gary Sinise, they put a noose around his neck, and they put him on a chair, which is exactly what Herod did to Court earlier in the movie. So, basically, when she was horrified seeing someone hung on a chair, that's why she was so horrified earlier. That's exactly what happened to her dad. And then we see in the flashback that Herod had taken little Ellen, she's like 10 years old, and said, you're going to watch your dad die. And he, she's like, no. And again, it's getting this flashback is getting worse and worse the more we learn about it. Yeah, and it also goes back to like explains why when Court was being hung on the chair and Ellen just gets up and reels off like six shots shooting the rope down, it, it, it goes into why she was so good at that. Yeah, there's a lot of and, implication yeah. here. You kind of have to think about it, why she's so good at a shot. She... It's a very sad thing where you realize this lady has spent her entire life training to be a gunfighter just for this moment. Like, she spent literally probably 20 years learning how to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. So, Ellen comes back to town. There's only four gunfighters left, and she walks up to Herod, and this is her big moment. She's like, I challenge you. I will take you down. And Gene Hackman is like, again, again the best actor in the movie. He's like all distraught. He won't. He's like, I can't do it. I've already been challenged. And she's like, who? And we find out that the kid... John Herod's son has challenged him to a gunfight, so it's going to be father against son for all the family pride. Yeah, John still says, you know, you can back out. Um, there's no disgrace. You proved your point. And to his son. The kid, yeah. yeah, to his son. And, and um, the kid still says, no, I haven't earned your respect. This is the only way I'm going to do it. And they proceed to fight. So, yeah, we have the two big matches here. It's, it's father against son for the first round, and the second one's going to be Ellen against Court, and they're like buddies now. They're bonded together. And they both tell each other, I'm not going to shoot you. I'm not going to shoot you. I can't kill you. We're not, we're not going to do it. So it's very dramatic here. The last 20 minutes of this movie actually get pretty dramatic. Yeah, it's amazing how much, how much we've been laughing and going on about it. Now it gets really, really intense. Yeah, it does. And you really care. <laughs> so much drama, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like I said, if you buy into this movie, you really buy into it towards the end. It's really good, I think. Yeah, I agree. This is, it really gets emotional and like the father and son battle and the revenge of Ellen and mm -hmm. yeah. And the full flashback. That's what made me tear up in the airport when you finally see the flashback. Yeah. 
Okay, so here we go. This is one of the other, again, I keep saying the best scene in the movie. This one's got to be up there as well, the kid against his dad. And it opens, this is where we, for the first time in the movie, you hear the entire theme music, the entire suite of the Quick and the Dead, where the kid basically is walking through town. He's a big shot. He's going to go square off against his father. He's going to earn his respect. And it's just sad because you know what's going to happen. There's no way this kid isn't going to die at the hands of his father. And it's just a horrible scene. Yeah. Well, yeah, Leo's all cocky, he's showing off his new wife, he blows her a kiss, and like the whole town is behind him, and he gets up there and he's he gives a big speech, Leo has a big speech where, you know, the old man, he used to be the fastest man in the Old West, but he's been getting a little slow lately, and I think I can beat him this time. And he's like, the only reason he's invincible is because everybody in this town thinks he's invincible. Yeah, and he, so they do, they pretty much do, they each get a shot off, um, John shot, hits the kid, right in the gut mm-hmm. and the kid gets a shot off and he nicks john in the ear he shoots his father in the ear but not enough to kill him so herod goes down but the kid has been mortally wounded in the stomach and I, and then so the kid goes down um and ellen runs to his side and he asks you know did i hit him did i kill him and so oh yeah you hit him and and i can't i can't remember the line when gene hackman walks up yeah he says doesn't he say something like it was never proven that he was my son <laughs> he's such a dick this is such a great <laughs> villain dick moment that gene hackman has just killed his own kid leo dies you know in the middle of town square with all of his adoring fans around him and he's crying and hackman walks up and is like yeah it was never proven he was my son <laughs> <laughs> moving on moving on next and ellen's like glaring at him you just shot your son and harry's like ah he left me no choice i tried to get out of it it was his fault which technically is true in Herod's defense. Yeah. All right. So we have Herod in the finals again, as he is in the finals every year. And I should mention yeah. that we forgot to mention that in every fight where Herod's involved, he's got these goons, his hit squad up on the roofs, pointing rifles at the opponent. So even if someone yeah. beats Herod, they're going to get killed anyway. So it's like completely stacked in Herod's favor. <laughs> All right. So now we have Her- Lady against Court. This is Russell Crowe against Sharon Stone. And it's funny because like in this movie – you always say it's predictable. You can you can predict who the major characters are going to be at the end. This is one when I was watching for the first time. I'm like, how are they going to get out of this? Because both of these characters should survive. So it's kind of ingenious yeah, you, how they do it here. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you definitely. There's no way Court would beat Ellen. But uh, that's the way. If you don't know the ending, that's yeah. Court pretty much beats Ellen. You think Court is going to take a dive for her? As I'm watching it the first time, I'm like, well, he's not going to raise his pistol. She's going to kill him. She's going to kill the priest in her name of revenge, and she's going to turn into this cold-blooded murderer. But that's not what happens. And, and I hate to spoil it a little, but I guess we kind of have to. That, but yeah, all along the way, Ellen has befriended this little blind kid who runs a supply cart, and he gives her a little thing of red ink to so she can fake that she's been shot. And then the doctor of the town, who has known her since a little girl, is in cahoots with it as well. Basically. It's this big tense scene where neither one of them will draw their gun, and then Court finally draws the gun. Ellen pretends to be hit, and everyone sells it around her because they're in with it, that they sell that she's been killed. Yeah, and they were, like the doctor was in on it, so he pronounces her dead. Um, he's all tearing up, and uh, yep. And that's the thing is that a lot of people I – mean, I actually didn't remember this until I watched it – is that the doctor is very important to this pulling off the fake dead body scene because he won't let the kids loot her body. She's the only person who doesn't get looted after she gets killed. And that's because yeah, the doctors are preventing it. Ready to stay away. And, yeah. Stay away from her, you jackals. I'm the shovel slayer. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so now we have the final of the movie where it's going to be Court against Herod, Russell Crowe against his mentor against John Herod. And this is 
really what Herod has been looking for all along. This is the only reason he brought court into this tournament, because that's what Herod does. He takes people he doesn't respect, and he embarrasses them in front of the town. And again, I don't know if you followed that. That's what he did with Ace. That's what he does with Cantrell, and that's what he's planning to do with court. And at no point has Herod even considered that Ellen is his biggest threat here. He thinks that court is. And now we get the big smashing finale here. Yeah, and pr- this is prior to this. His One of his John's henchmen, this guy Ratsy, is pretty much beating the crap out of court. And I guess he injures his hands. He breaks his hand. And John, yeah. yeah, he breaks his hand. And John sees this. He freaks out and tells Ratsy, you have like five seconds to get out of town. So Ratsy runs away. John shoots him in the back because he hurt his hands because he wanted a fair fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fair fight in his own town yeah. <laughs> it's a great scene that's that i have to explain i just read about this scene last night where yeah Her- uh, herod is mad that his henchman broke court's hand and so he's like you have 15 seconds to get out of town and then i'm gonna kill you and so ratsy starts running and then herod gives this big long speech and basically had 15 seconds actually transpired ratsy would have been so far out of town by that point but in the movie he's only on the edge of town so herod shoots him and i was reading in the making of this movie that like, they had to make it look, like, realistic where he'd still be in the town. So they had Ratsy, like, run around the building a couple of times first and then go out and run down the streets. It's just just so there was a, sh- a chance that Hackman could shoot him. <laughs> so here's the big duel. We have Court against Herod, where all the marbles the way it should have been. And we never do see it. We never do see who would have won. It would have been interesting in my in the uh, Quick and the Dead Fantasy Leagues to see who would have won here. Because <laughs> the fight never happens because right when they're about to draw, all of a sudden these explosions go up in the town Ellen has set up this these dynamite to basically blow up every building in the town as a distraction, not to mention blow off some of the goons off the roofs that are there gunning down the, the, the heroes. Yeah, so they blow up they blow up all the buildings in the town, and then Court proceeds to blow the crap out of the goons. Yeah, Court goes and mad. And then Ellen appears like, yeah, <laughs> he just blows away every one of them. Yeah, this is and then where Ellen we see... appears like a shining light. Yeah, this is where we see what a badass Court really is, where he takes his gun and he basically goes like Evil Dead, like Ash. Starts shooting behind him, underneath him. He does one shot where he turns around and does two spin shots in, on, to each angle and knocks two guys off a roof. It's really cool. So you see yeah. what a badass Court really is when he wants to be. And yeah, and here comes Ellen striding through all the rubble as the one lone Avenger who's here to square off against John Herod, the man who killed her father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really, getting, I'm really getting into this. But this this is the flashback. And again, this is the part that absolutely made me tear up in the airport. I hate to say that because, again, it's just the freaking quick and the dead. But we finally see the full flashback of what exactly happened to Ellen, why her father died, and what happened. And you see, Herod had kidnapped her father, put him on a chair, hung him, and he said, Oh, I'll give a little girl, I'll give you a chance to free your father. He goes, If you can shoot that rope down and save his life, then he's free. He's free to go. And Ellen, just a little 10 year old girl, has never shot a gun. And her dad, Gary Sinise, is giving her encouragement. And this is the scene that always, I mean, it really gets me. I have a little girl. I understand what it's like to have a daughter a father and a daughter where she lines up to try to save her father and she accidentally shoots her father in the head she kills her own father yeah it's like oh my god that's a dark scene to have in this movie yeah and there's john herod after she does it just like the biggest smirk and says that'll do that'll do oh man (laughs) what a jerk it was never proven you were his daughter (laughs) yeah yeah big deal so ellen because she didn't know how to shoot a gun, accidentally shot her own father. She's had to live with that for 20 years. She's been out in the desert, presumably, just firing guns at things, waiting for this moment where she could get back at the man who made her kill her father. And this is where we learn all this. And Gene Hackman still doesn't know who she is. Who are you? Who is this lady in my town? Like, you're just that piece of ass I invited over for dinner. Like, who are you? 
And she flicks her father's badge, the Marshall badge, over and lands at Gene Hackman's feet in a total Sam Raimi shot where it's like an up angle oh, yeah. from the sand straight yeah. up at Gene Hackman. And he sees the badge and he finally gets why she is. And he's like, oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah, and by all rights, she shouldn't win the gunfight. John Harrod is a trained killer. She's not, but but she kind of, it's the thing with, as Leo said earlier, the kid, like, it's all in your mind. Whoever is the fastest is the one who thinks they're the fastest. And he's like, there's no way. You can't beat me. You're not faster. And she's like, today I am. Today I am, yeah. And then we get the shot where, you know, it clicks, and they both raise their guns and shoot, and he gets her, like, in the neck or ear or something, and she goes back. But a, a classic Sam Raimi finale to a movie the gunshot, the bullet that goes right through Gene Hackman, and you look down and you see a shadow of a little sunlight hole going right through his chest. Yeah. And with that, Gene Hackman has been defeated. He's like, no! And then she gets up and raises another shot, and this one hits him right in the face. And he goes right, it's like the bullet cam, right into Gene Hackman's eye. He goes flipping over backwards, and that's it. Sharon Stone has won. She's killed John Harrod. All his men are dead, and the town now has a, uh, a new lease on life. Yeah, she, she goes to give... She goes to give uh, Court the Marshall badge. Yeah, and that's the You're other. You're now the sheriff of this half destroyed town. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> now they, this this town that had 20 people and five buildings. Now all the buildings are blown up and half the town has been killed, but they need a new sheriff in town. So yeah, she flips the badge to Court and she's like, "The law has come back to town." <laughs> and then the music pipes up and it, there's this really cool uh, music cue called Redemption that's got like. Dun, 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 whoosh, it's got like whips and stuff. It's this coolest yeah, little yeah. music stinger. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie where Sharon Stone has avenged her father, John Harrod's dead, and Court is now the marshal. He's the law in this town where literally all that's left is the whorehouse, I think. <laughs> yes, nothing, nothing left but the whorehouse and the blind kid's cart. <laughs> <laughs> that blind kid's going to clean up. He's going to be like Amazon.com. Like he now owns everything oh, in the show. <laughs> Well, the, well, the funny part is at the beginning of the movie, his his cart gets knocked over. <laughs> like, what person in this town is going to help that blind kid? <laughs> yeah, without Nobody. Sharon Stone, yeah, she was the only one who was nice to him. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I helped her. <laughs> and with that, we have the plot of the Quick and the Dead, one of the goofiest, most fun roller coaster experiences I can think of in my entire movie collection. Again, like I said, out of all the uh, eight movies we've talked about so far in staff picks this is absolutely my favorite i'm so excited to get people to to, uh, to hear about it or know about it yeah and it, like the odds are good someone in this movie you will have seen before in another movie that you like and that's that's why i love it so much there's so many connections to different movies i love in this movie yeah why don't you expand on that you said earlier you wanted to talk about the connections we mentioned a couple are there any others we failed to mention yeah i mean so there's there's lance henriksen keith david um tobin bell it, it goes all the way to like, because I love Stephen King movies, mm -hmm. and one of a, a guy who directed a lot of Stephen King movies, TV series, Mick Garris, mm -hmm. he directed The Stand and uh, a couple other ones. He was in this movie too. He was one of John Harrod's henchmen. Ah, and uh, so and I knew Gary Sinise from The Stand, mm -hmm. and it's it just goes so many places. It's just one of those movies. It's, just, it's unfathomable what a flop it was, considering how good it is, how much talent is in there, and just. How much love and just energy Sam Raimi put into it. It's just, I watch this movie every time and I love it. I've never not loved this movie. And it's just, again, it was a flop to the point that it almost made Sam Raimi reconsider if he wanted to be a director. That's the thing. He almost never got to do Spider-Man because this movie hurt him so bad that it flopped. Yeah, like what is it on Rotten Tomatoes? Like 50% or something like that? Yeah. And, oh, uh, that hurts uh, you. I don't never understand yeah, that. Yeah, that hurts yeah. you. Again, this, <laughs> yeah. this movie's just, it's just fun. I don't get... 
again, it's I've, I've often described this movie as if, if you could sum up my personality and mindset in a movie, it's this movie. Like this, there's no better Mario movie out there because this is absolutely what I want to see in every movie. It's so goofy and corny, yet it's got good acting. It's got a killer soundtrack. And then it's like dramatic and emotional as hell at the end. And you're not ready for it because you're not expecting to get invested so much. Yeah, it's it's such a fun, just kind of fun action movie. And then it gets all serious at the end. And I think I think a lot of it suffered from like Unforgiven. I think Unforgiven hurt this yeah. movie a lot. Because you think this is going to be unforgiven, and it's clearly not. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, have you had experience or success trying to get people to appreciate this movie or convert them to it over the years? I my wife enjoys it. That's good. Um, she's she's the one who she's the one who pointed out the Virgil Sparks wanted poster. <laughs> the pride rapist of she Texas. Just goes, she's just like, why is that guy wearing a white hat? He's a rapist. And I'm like, what? She's like, go turn it back. Yeah, <laughs> I like to see the rapist. Like, oh God. Well, it's good that Clay Cantrell took him out. Because again, when I do my fantasy leagues, I often have Clay Cantrell at the top. <laughs> when I run my fan fiction stuff, Clay Cantrell. Yeah. Right oh there. yes, yeah, you have Clay Cantrell backstory. Exactly. <laughs> he was Mary's stepdad. Let's see. <laughs> hey, Woogie's over here. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's see. Did he have anything else to add about the Quick and the Dead that will get people to appreciate? I really hope. I don't know if you people are listening and hearing this. We poured our heart into this podcast. We believe in this movie so much. Yeah, I mean, if you – it's hard to say, but I, I compared it to Bloodsport, and I, I that's another reason I like Bloodsport. I like all the little the little side characters. That's what – for me, that's one of the big things about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like Sharon Stone does well. Gene Hackman does well. But all the little characters, they're so good, and they're just so fun to enjoy, and that's I just love this movie. Yeah, and you feel bad when Ace Hanlon gets killed – and Ace is only in two scenes in the movie. Like that's what a strong side character is. You feel bad when he yeah. dies. Yeah, and you want you want to see more of them. Like all the all the side people. Like you said, when Spotted Horse dies, <laughs> it's it's just so funny. <laughs> and the Swedish champion, we can't leave him off. <laughs> yes, Gutsen. Yeah, can you imagine the tournament in Sweden he won to get to this point? I would love to see the prequel to this, the Swedish <laughs> tournament. <laughs> the funny part is they say they have it every year. So what? None of these people have ever shown up for the tournament. Yet everybody knows who they are. <laughs> yeah. Like every but 15 people die every year but Herod. And yeah, every year they just get suckers keep coming into town to be in this tournament. And then the prize the prize for the tournament was apparently like a bank robbery. <laughs> they just it just bust open this giant chest of money yeah. that he apparently robbed from somebody. <laughs> ah, so many good things about this movie. Again, it's The Quick and the Dead 1995. If you're looking for just straight popcorn entertainment. Just just go with the storyline and trust it's going to take you somewhere entertaining, and it will. It's such a fulfilling movie. Absolutely one of my probably 20 favorite movies. And again, just a, I'm so excited when I found another fan out there like Scott that wanted to talk about it because it's rare to find someone who has even seen this movie, let alone likes it. Yeah, I, and I, I have to reiterate again, don't let the runtime throw you off. It will not like hamper your enjoyment of this movie yeah at all it'll go by really quick and if you watch the trailer watch it after the movie because the trailer will dissuade you from watching it it's so boring (laughs) (laughs) all right uh anything else to say before we wrap up no that's about all i got just thank you for the opportunity to talk about this movie it's it's a lot of fun and yeah go out there and watch it it's great excellent okay yeah thank you very much uh scott for joining me and again the name of the the podcast here is staff picks where we pick movies that i feel really need a little more love in the world the quick and the dead absolutely just uh 
watch this movie, love it, and then send Sam Raimi an email and give him a hug because like, he felt so horrible that this movie flopped and it really shouldn't have. It's so fun and so well done. And again, you don't even have to like Westerns. I don't like Westerns and I love this movie with all of my heart. Um, as always, again, my name is Mario Lanza. You can reach me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. And I have a patron account as well, patron.com slash Mario Lanza. Until the next time, I believe the next movie I'm talking about is a very seldom seen horror movie from 2015 called The Invitation, which is a, uh, that's a dark one. That one, get ready for that one. That one will stick with you. Until next time, I will talk to you later. Keep on watching those underrated movies. Spotted horse cannot be killed by a bullet.